Hi, everyone. It's your podcast host, Jim Andrews, here with a reminder that the Ticket Manager Partner Summit is back. We'll be getting together in person on October 17th this year at the Times Center in New York City. This is a free, invitation-only event where hundreds of business leaders across the world's most influential brands in sports, sponsorship, live events, and ticketing gather to make great connections and share valuable information. Approved attendees enjoy exclusive networking events, insightful panels, and exciting celebrity speakers, all for free. Are you interested in attending? Just go to ticketmanager.com for details on how to apply. Welcome to Ticket Manager's All Access Interview Series, engaging leaders from across the sports marketing spectrum to identify and explore critical issues in the business of sports, entertainment, sponsorship, activation, ticketing, hospitality, and even more. I'm your host, Jim Andrews. Joining me on this episode to discuss balancing multiple partners and partnership objectives, category exclusivity, and other elements of sponsorship is Josh Epstein, Head of Corporate Sponsorships for BMO Financial Group. Welcome, Josh, and thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Great. I think the first thing I wanted to kind of cover with you, because you play kind of a unique role or have a unique role, is you oversee essentially two sponsorship programs, one in Canada uh, and, and one in the U.S. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that structure and how that works from a management and a decision-making standpoint. Sure. Well, I, I guess the, the first place to start is the last 15 months or so, it's been a little strange with closed borders and, and making travel difficult. In a typical year, I'd be traveling to Chicago on a fairly regular basis and then out to our other sort of main uh, geographical hubs, whether it's Milwaukee or others uh, on, a, on, a, on a semi-regular basis as well. But with the closed borders, it's been all virtual and all Zoom and all Microsoft Teams for, for 14 or 15 months. Luckily, I have a terrific team in the U.S. that uh, that is very capable and Really, at this point, it just requires, you know, that daily communication. But from an execution perspective, I've got legs on the ground that, that are able to do whatever needs to do it. You could look at it, it as two different sponsorship portfolios, but at the end of the day, we're one company, right? So BMO Financial Group, it's uh, commonly known as BMO Harris in the U.S., although I think we're always sort of drifting towards just one big, happy brand under the BMO umbrella. Um, our objectives will always remain the same, right? At the end of the day, we use sponsorship to drive affinity, to drive revenue, and to build the brand. And that ebbs and flows, and it evolves. Uh, I would say where we are today is quite different than where, where we were maybe two years ago, certainly different than where we were five years ago. But we're, we're really using the sponsorship tool to drive the same results, whether it's in Chicago, Toronto. Milwaukee or Vancouver, Canada, what we're trying to do remains the same. 
Uh, the partners we do it with obviously is different. We don't really have national partnerships like perhaps the Olympics or or a, a league partnership. We concentrate on on regional partnerships, whether it's teams, events, programs that that are sponsorable and, and things like that. But we use uh, I, the, the the term I always use is connective tissue. We try and find connective tissue between all of our partnerships to to bring about results. That I, to me, that's really interesting, right? Because that's sounds like it might be a little bit more challenging than say having one of those national sponsorships where you 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 have the one relationship and then you you execute yeah. locally and uh you know here you've got uh, you've got a lot of different uh, organizations and people you have to deal with and and, and a lot of uh, a, a lot of differing uh objectives and and that's kind of one of the the questions I had for you is you you've got some very different objectives. You've got long-term brand building and loyalty building objectives, supporting that that BMO customer experience. But then there's also shorter-term customer acquisition, revenue goals. So that that to me sounds a lot of a lot of balls to juggle. So I'm, I'm just curious about how do you how do you strike the right balance with all that? Yeah, it's a great question. I it's funny when I when I think about what's the most important skill for our team, and I really do think, and this may sound cliche, but I really do think it's relationship management, right? You you're right. There's a lot of balls in the air. Each of our partnerships has multiple rights and benefits and multiple touch points. And and I think a lot of our success lies in the close relationships we have with each partner. Right. So that 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 is at my level from, you know, right at the, at the top from relationship to relationship. And then, you know, one step down and two step downs in terms of the day to day relationship and then the execution of certain programs and assets at every single level. The relationship is so solid. And if it isn't, that's where we run into trouble. And and when we're not paddling in the exact same direction as our partner, and there, there's some gray area that that we haven't discussed, or we're not approaching things as as quote unquote teammates, then it doesn't work. So I really lean on my team, and I have some folks on my team in the U.S. and in Canada that are as good at managing relationships as anyone I've seen in 20 years of doing this. And and as I mentioned, I think that's where a lot of our success comes from. Now that being said, relationships are a big thing. Attention to detail is also really important, right? And because if we're if we're doing an execution around a new product launch in Toronto with the Toronto FC, the soccer team here, it does need to change a little bit if we're going to do something similar in Chicago with the Chicago Bulls, for example. That's where the importance of being able to take an idea or, or, or take a program and really make it specific to the market that we're in becomes so important. And again, we're getting pretty good at it. We've got a really solid team and and that's where a lot of our results come from. And I would imagine that's part of the explanation for you have in that portfolio, there are a lot of long-term relationships. You know, you've been with some of those, those property partners for a very long time, which given everything you just said, make, makes a lot of sense. But also there, that can be challenging in terms of how do you keep some of those partnerships fresh and, and you know, not have it just become the expected, oh, when I walk into the United Center, I know I'm going to see uh, this type of uh, BMO yeah. or activation or something like that. How do you how do you kind of make sure that that, uh, that nobody on, on either side, on, on, on your side, the team side or the consumer side gets kind of complacent? It's certainly a risk. You're you're absolutely right. If you're with a partner, and and I believe in long term partnerships, right? Like I think that if you are trying to exact some level of 
consumer sentiment or exact some level of, of business result, it's not going to happen overnight in the sponsorship world. You know, there, we've all been doing this a long time. I think it takes years and years and years to really build that equity and to really build that comfort level to understand what we're trying to do as partners. Now, that, that being said, there's certainly a risk of, of becoming complacent or just, you know, falling back on what works. Um, we need to push the envelope. I think we need to be allowed to fail is the wrong word. We need to be allowed to, to make a misstep or two, right? So we might try something and if it doesn't work, that's okay. And if it does work, then let's let's double down on it and make it better and better and better. So so I do think we have that flexibility. Obviously, you know, a misstep is not nothing that's going to hurt the brand. It just may be a direction or an activation or an execution strategy that that didn't hit the mark. I would also say that it's important to keep our own strategy sharp and fresh. And we've evolved. I mean, over the last five years, our strategy has evolved considerably from where I would say it was really centered on, on the, the, the customer. So, so making our BMO customer feel special, we called it the BMO effect. And if you weren't our customer, how could our sponsorship presence and activation sort of say, hey, I wish I was a BMO customer. And, and we had all kinds of activations that, that led or, or proved that out. I would say over the last couple of years, we've really shifted towards being not only a purpose-driven organization. So I know that you're probably hearing that a lot these days. What is a purpose-driven organization? BMO's purpose is to boldly grow the good in business and in life. And it really talks to a, a, a business of our size and our impact owes it to not just our customers, but owes it to communities to make a difference. And we're, we're shifting our partnerships to make sure that we're making that difference. So, you know, whether it's minority-owned businesses in the U.S. or communities in need, underserved communities in need in Canada, um, we are using our partnerships to exact change and using our partners to help deliver that. So we can only do so much as a bank. Banking, I, I know I'm not letting you on, in on some great industry secret here. Banking isn't terribly sexy, Right. But when a bank and a basketball team or a bank and a major league soccer team can get together and build programs and use assets like players and social media and put them all together to do some exciting and socially impactful things, that's kind of where the bullseye is these days for us, right? And that's that's where we're headed. COVID and the last 14 months has been really interesting. Again, we've had to We've had to pivot away, and, and I know that's the, the hot word these days, but we had to pivot away from in-arena engagement and pivot away from real high-touch experiential into digital, into virtual. Um, we learned a lot. Uh, again, some things worked really well and we hit the bullseye. Some things were, eh, that, that was okay, but, but we moved on. We've learned a lot. We've learned a lot through COVID. We've learned a lot in the last couple of years, and I think and I feel the energy. I think we're ready to really hit the ground running as we get back to real life these days. And I say that a lot. I feel like we're getting back to real life. And I think especially, you know, with NHL, NBA, um, some of our events like Summerfest in Milwaukee getting off the ground this fall, I think we're going to be in great shape to, to, to really hit the ground running. 
the, the, the strategy shift is really interesting to me. Somebody who's, you know, watched what BMO has done over the years and, and, and featured some of the, uh, the BMO effect activations in, in conferences and, and in, my, in the classroom. I always, you know, held that up as, as really kind of a, a best practice and, and look, at the, look at what sponsorship can do. So I'm, I'm intrigued by the, by the strategy shift. And is it, is it fair to say that the reason behind that or one of the reasons behind that is just kind of what's happening in, in the world today and what's, what's been happening over the last few years? Yeah. Yes, it is fair to say that. I, I, let me be clear in that we're not, we're not totally departing away from some of those real sort of um, uh, revenue driving sentiment driving, opinion driving activations that we proved out through the BMO effect. Like we still care so deeply about our customers and you know, want to add to their experience in consuming, whether it's it's the team or whether it's in the event, we're, we're still always going to have those um, activation points as, as um, the core of what we're trying to do. But it, I, rather than a shift, I'd say it's an evolution. So we're taking some of that sort of very surface top of the funnel uh, activation stuff, and we're moving it towards a greater good. And yes, I think what's going on in the world in many respects, and and you start at COVID, but you go to social injustice and and all the other challenges that we're facing in in North America. And I do think it behooves companies like BMO to, to use their power, use their size, use their scope, use their scale to do good. And it's not, it's not a tough challenge. Like we're seeing ways that it makes a ton of sense. It's credible. It makes sense for the company. It makes sense for our customers. It makes sense for the communities that we live and work. And I think we all feel really good about that. Also leads me to, to another question about your, your portfolio and, and the mix, because you know, certainly there are a lot of brands out there that are very, very, very heavily concentrated in sports sponsorship. Certainly something we talk a lot about on, on this podcast. But you have a lot of a lot of great relationships with uh, what I would call kind of community-based organizations, whether that's festivals you mentioned, Summerfest in Milwaukee, the big holiday lights parade here in, in Chicago, uh, and, and those types of things, the Stampede, it's kind of a combination event, if I can call it that, up, up in Canada. Can you just talk a little bit about those, the contrast there of, of working with those organizations as opposed to kind of professional sports properties and and, and what those kind of relationships might, might achieve for the bank? Sure. P- practically, uh, it's usually a day or a week rather than an entire season. So from a planning perspective, um, it's got its own opportunities and challenges, I would say. Um, but you put it you put it very appropriately. These the, the events that we're involved in are so important to the communities that they're in. And the Stampede's a great example. I mean, BMO has been a partner of the Calgary Stampede. And for your listeners, the, the Calgary Stampede is the world's largest rodeo uh, festival. It's uh, 10 days in July. And as I mentioned, BMO has been a partner for 100 years. And it, it's super fun. It's a real community event, but there's also a lot of business done there, right? Like agricultural business is, it's it, 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 a ton of deals get done at the Calgary Stampede. So it makes sense from a business perspective on a number of different dimensions for BMO. But again, it's from a, from a economic and social perspective, it's, it's in, a critical a critical event to the Alberta, the province of Alberta's economy. And BMO loves being a partner. And, and it's important to the community. It's important to us. 
Summerfest, great example. I mean, Summerfest, I, 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 one of my favorite weeks of the year. Um, I love going. It's a little different this year. It's going to be three weekends in September in Milwaukee, but it's the world's you know largest rock festival. I think that was uh, uh, the, the claim to fame. Again, super important to the cultural side of Milwaukee. And, and again, they are doing some great things from a social impact perspective. Just the, the, the renaissance that Milwaukee has seen through things like Summerfest, through the emergence of the new Milwaukee Box Organization, BMO's so proud to be a part of that. And it's so great for both the community and our business that it's a no-brainer. I mean, this stuff is this stuff works and it, it feels great. I'm always intrigued by the idea of category exclusivity, particularly in, in banking and financial services when it comes to sponsorship. Because I see so many uh, sports organizations in particular that like to uh, divide that category and and slice it pretty, pretty thinly, which makes sense from from their standpoint to get as many partners in the door. And I know at BMO, you've got here in Chicago, you've got a non-exclusive relationship with the Blackhawks, but an exclusive relationship with the Bulls. So I'm wondering what kind of drives that decision in terms of when to really say we need to have exclusivity for this partnership, whereas we can uh, maybe give up some of some of that uh, in another. Does it come down to cost or are there other factors that go into making that choice? Well, I I think, um, again, I don't think I'm I'm pulling back the curtain too far here, but I think our choice would always be to the to be the category exclusive partner of a brand. And yeah, I think it boils down to to price. I mean, if we're going to really get down to to brass tacks, I think it boils down to to price. It boils down to the opportunity that exists. Um, and let me be a little clearer on that. Um, you know, if you have a team that has been category non-exclusive for, for a long time, it's very it would be very hard operationally to go from non-exclusive to exclusive in, in one season. I assume many of their partners in one category expire at different times, right? So if you've got a number of different banks, it would be kind of painful to, to sort of wait until they all expire and move towards category exclusivity. That's okay. Operationally, that means the opportunity is what it is, right? So BMO, if you want to be a partner with Team X, we have three or four other banks involved. We're going to carve out a really great identity for you with some great programming. You can make it work for you or you can't. And then it's up to the bank or whatever the category is to take a look at that non-exclusive opportunity and make a determination. Going back to the original point, that's a lot more cost effective than a category exclusive partnership. Those are always going to be more expensive, but in many ways will be more impactful. There is no other bank associated with the Chicago Bulls. There is no other bank associated with the Milwaukee Bucks. Two amazing category exclusive partnerships that we have that we're very proud of. And we use every ounce of that exclusivity to drive value out of that partnership. So, yes, I do think it boils down to price. I do think it boils down to uh, the opportunity that is available. Um, And then everything in between you can make work. So you can make, I certainly believe you can make a non-exclusive partnership work, different objectives, different tactics than a category exclusive partnership, but they are certainly different things, but both workable is what I would say. I always like to ask this question for somebody who's, who's been doing this for, for a while from, from the sponsor side, because things have certainly, in the long time I've been doing this, have changed in terms of judging the performance uh, of the partnerships or measuring uh, the RLO or the RLI, however you want to put it. And I know you and I chatted recently and, and you said there may have been some, some, some 
changes there and how how what what you look at in terms of metrics and how you're measuring uh, whether these things are working for you. Can you talk a little bit about that? I sure can. And I would say absolutely the biggest change in the 20 odd years that I've been doing sponsorship marketing is the the judgment of performance and the importance of that data. Um, So thinking back when I first started with Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, that's the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Toronto Raptors here, here in Toronto, obviously, you know, having a rink board up and seeing your brand was enough for most companies, right? You know, it's wow, that's exciting. And that feels good. Okay. I guess the sponsorship is working over the last 20 years that has really changed. And, and the KPIs associated with sponsorship performance are now as complicated and as data driven as any marketing performance across the entire sort of portfolio of marketing tactics at a company at BMO. We've spent the last, to just over two years, really refining our sponsorship platform. And we've done that with some external partners, some some really great agencies who have helped us build a sponsorship platform that is data-driven and is showing us our performance. And, And the timing is still, is it a quarterly report? No. Is it an annual report? No. It's something in between, just because so much of the data requires input of teams and our partners to really understand you know, what have TV ratings been? What have audiences in stadium been? What are the reach of X, Y, and Z um, assets? So so it's a biannual report at this point. And I would say, and I, it's proprietary, so, so I can't get into too many of the details, but at the end of the day, it's about the value of the marketing assets unlocked. It's about the consumer sentiment driven and it's about direct revenue back to back to our our business, and, and those are the three dimensions that we are uh, basing our performance platform on. And the data that we feed into the quote unquote machine is is really helping us make some decisions, helping us understand where we should be concentrating on our, our efforts, helping us understand, you know, in terms of reinvestment or divestment, um, helping us understand what's working, what's not working. It's not perfect yet, but it is certainly on its way to being an extremely valuable part of what we're trying to do every day in, in sponsorships. How, how significant a role do the, the, the partners play in, in helping you collect, whether it's the data that, that they kind of control, that, that they share with you? Because I, I think sometimes there's either a, I mean, quite honestly, a reluctance on the part of, part of properties to... Uh, to want to talk about measurement because they um, may not be, uh, they may be concerned that they're not uh, meeting the, the standards. Um, but I think there's also, uh, maybe even to a greater degree, just a feeling of, well, you know, that's kind of up to the sponsor. They'll, they'll figure out whether whether they're getting their, their money's worth. And that's, you know, it's not my job to, to, to do that for them. They can do that. But I suspect that that's, uh, you know, there, there is a role for properties to play in that scenario. For sure there is. And, and yes, Jim, I can understand, you know, your comment about that's the, 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 the brand's job. You know, we, we put players on the court and put their signs <laughs> up and that, that is not the sentiment that any partner is driving these. Like partners are, are so eager to help and right. so eager to be good partners that yes, there's a learning process, and yes, there has been a shift in how things are reported, and yes, there is sometimes, well, our our report our reporting doesn't exactly fit into what you need, so you know, let's talk about how to massage it. 
but all of our partners from from you name it, the the Bulls to the Blackhawks to Vancouver Whitecaps here in Canada. I mean, you name the partner, they are eager and on board as true partners to help us bring um, this performance platform to a place where the information is credible and actionable. So, so there is not a single request or question that has come back with, yeah, we can't really help you, you guys figure it out. That is not the attitude. And I think that's, that's probably indicative of the level of competition and level of, of um, um, service that, that, that partners are giving these, or, or that, that teams are giving their, their partners these days, teams and events, I should say. It, it really is about being an integrated, uh, fully integrated partnership. And, and the word partner couldn't be more perfect for the relationship. What's good for us is good for our partners and vice versa. Well, and again, it goes back to that what we were talking about before, the relationship, the, the history of the relationship. Yep. They, they want to work with you and then they want to give you the things that you need to, to, to make sure that, that that continues. Josh, my last question for you. Uh, I, as many of us have lately, have had so many conversations about legalized sports betting and coming into, in, 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 especially here in, in the U.S., obviously, uh, more and more states rolling it out. Uh, becoming just more and more a part of that fan experience. And I'm just wondering from a, a banking brand, financial institution, how kind of betting and, and gambling aligns with, with, with what you're trying to, uh, to talk about. And, and are, there, are there conflicts there? Are there any concerns about just kind of a level of uh, importance that, that, uh, that gambling and, and, and betting is playing in sports these days? It's an interesting question, and and I don't think an easy answer. Is there a direct conflict? No. Are sports betting sites um, that are advertising and doing what they need to do to do to drive their business in it for the same reasons as perhaps a financial institution would be or a consumer brand would be? Perhaps not. The, the, the fact is, these these um, laws are governed by the, the regions that the, each of the teams are in. And if it's a legal entity, then they have every right to, to participate. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as long as the companies are held to a high standard, the betting companies are held to a high standard and are not up to anything nefarious or trying to get underage gamblers or, or, or troubled gamblers onto their site, then they, they are, are more than entitled to, to drive their business. And I hope, you know, as a lover of sponsorship, I hope they use the tools in an, in an effective way um, and, and certainly believe that they could. Um, um, but will BMO be jumping into a partnership with, you know, insert betting site here and one of our, our partner teams? Unlikely, unlikely, but, you know, um, live and let live is, is my attitude on that, Jim. That oh, makes sense. That makes sense. I, and I, I appreciate you uh, uh, offering your perspective because I was, I was uh, intrigued to know uh, how you might be thinking about it, and, and not surprised that you've uh, you've taken that uh, that kind of an approach. So, Josh, thank you so much for being with us. Um, you, I think you've um, you've offered a, a great deal of information for for all of our our viewers and listeners, and uh, uh, can't thank you enough for taking the time. Terrific. Thank you so much, Jim. And on behalf of everyone at Ticket Manager, thank all of you for watching, and please join us again for the next episode in our All Access interview series.